The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us today because we're going to be covering a topic that we have never touched on before on Go Green Radio. This is something that is pretty new to my consciousness, although our guests have been studying and researching this uh, topic for for many years. And I'm excited to bring it to the forefront of our consciousness. Uh, The topic is geoengineering, and that refers to a, a multitude of technologies and theories about changing the Earth's climate. But we're going to dive into some of the particular of that with our guests today. We have two guests, George Barnes and Dane Wigington, and they are both um, coming at this uh, issue of geoengineering from a couple of different perspectives. George is a filmmaker, and he's just recently released um, a really unique social documentary that I'll ask him to explain a little bit later on in this segment. But you can find a lot of information about him and his work at his website, which is skyderalert.com. That's S-K-Y-D-E-R alert. So don't close this tab in your web browser. Open up a new tab in your web browser if you're listening to us on the Internet today and check out skyderalert.com. Dane is uh, behind a website called geoengineeringwatch.org. And again, you can just open up a new tab in your web browser and check it out and follow along while we talk to these two gentlemen. But uh, without further ado, welcome to Go Green Radio, George and Dane. Glad to have you on. Thanks. Thank you, Joe. Glad to be here. Thanks for being willing to address this issue, Joe. Too many people don't know about it. You bet, and I was one of those people, and now I'm really excited to dig in a little bit more deeply. George, let's start with you. For our listeners who may have never heard of geoengineering, what exactly is it? Well, geoengineering, first and foremost, is the single largest environmental threat that our planet and people and all life face today. There's no question that this is the single largest environmental threat that's out there. It is the unregulated science of weather modification. It's a science basically that that enables planes to spray particulate matter into the atmosphere for the purpose of blocking the sun. You know, you hear a lot of talk about climate change. You hear it every day. Climate change is responsible for this, that, and the other thing. But what you don't hear about is geoengineering is the method to create climate change. It's basically a man-made tool to alter the state of the climate on a global scale. Wow. And and when did this first come about, Dane? I mean, how long has this been a topic of consideration? Actually, Jill, if if you look at data that we already have, and one particular document, a presidential document I found on the NASA website from 1966, 80 pages long, outlines the full scope and scale of U.S. national weather modification programs at that time, which is, is geoengineering, 
um, with budgets in the hundreds of millions of dollars, even back in 1966, and references going back to at least 1956, and other documents indicate that these, the inception of these programs started even in the, in the mid to late 40s. So this has been going on for a very, very long time, and there's data to back that up all the way along the chain. But people can look that document up uh, on geoengineeringwatch.org. It's a 1966 uh, document uh, verifying geoengineering, and, and we have that posted, 80 pages long. You know, are there are there um, fields of study for this? Are there people getting degrees in geoengineering? Yes, and two two of the most prominent geoengineers on the planet, Ken Caldera and David Keith. David Keith's getting a lot of airtime these days, and he plays the part of outlining all these programs exactly as we see them occurring, with uh, discussion of the exact material that's showing up in lab tests across the globe in absolutely lethal quantities, aluminum, barium, strontium. But he still plays the part of these programs being proposals, even though we have data from, for example, NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, stating that in the last decade, the atmosphere, atmospheric particulates have doubled, and they don't know why or from where. And this is, this is where uh, it, the elephant in the room gets... Uh, truly astounding that, that academia is not recognizing it because the red flags are going up everywhere, Jill. And and what are these uh, particles or, or, you know, minerals or, or metals, whatever it is, that are being found um, in such significant quantities? What kinds of material are we talking about? Well, again, it's all, it's, there's about 150 geoengineering patents, and the, the primary patents outlined nanoparticulates of aluminum, barium, strontium, and in the case of David Keith, the world's most recognized geoengineer, he stated on the record, on film, their desire to put 20 million tons of aluminum nanoparticles into the atmosphere annually. So when we have lab tests coming down, in the case of Northern California, we had an initial rain test taken at the state-certified lab. When we first started the test in about 2004, seven parts per billion, which is already very high given our filtered, forested location, we've had subsequent tests in the next few years escalate as high as 3,450 parts per billion of aluminum in a single rain event. There's so much metal falling on us, it's changing forest floor pHs. I, I have a second meeting with USDA, NRCS, and people from UC Davis to examine our forest floor pHs here, which we had a baseline on already from earlier studies. That's a lot of metal to change forest floor, floor pHs, and the trees are dying everywhere throughout the Pacific Northwest and other regions. Wow. Now, George, you know, we talked just briefly about this being some kind of mechanism to change the climate, but what is the stated goal of geoengineering? I've read that there are two main categories of geoengineering, solar radiation management and CO2 sequestration. Talk to us and help us understand uh, these categories in more detail. What are the stated goals of geoengineering? See, uh, the um, solar radiation management is the, the largest and most obvious concern that I have because you can just look up and see it. It is basically the process of spraying these particles into the atmosphere uh, for the purpose of blocking out the sun. Uh, so what's happening is if you look on the skyderalert.com homepage, we've got a Twitter feed and you see these just terrifying pictures of you know when you see a plane go by and it leaves a white trail in the sky? Sure. Well, when that trail doesn't dissipate, it is the, uh, the persistent contrail. That is geoengineering and that is solar radiation management. So they are effectively creating an entire shield over the earth to block the sun. And there's With a metal. segment on NOVA <laughs> called Dimming the Earth. It's, uh, it's like a half hour, 
half-hour episode, very troubling. Over 20% of the rays that hit the Earth just a, a few decades ago don't hit the Earth anymore. So they are effectively blocking sunlight from hitting the Earth. Wow. Now, what about this uh, carbon dioxide sequestration uh, geoengineering technology? That one is a little bit more technical. I'm more on the, the visual side because it's so easy to see. So I'll let Dane, uh, Dane talk about the CO2. Well, this, uh, Jill, with carbon sequestration, I mean, the other forms of geoengineering that relate to that that have already been tried as well, by the way, is to, to dump iron oxide into the oceans to, to uh, create algae blooms to suck up CO2. It, it kills that section of the ocean. But, you know, again, the geoengineers don't seem concerned with that. Other forms of carbon sequestration, like these mass filtering, uh, CO2 capturing facilities, those are really pipe dreams. It's, it's mass distraction, just like the uh, proposal for geoengineering to put mirrors into space. I mean, they're, they're technologically completely unfeasible. And all those things are really designed to take the eye off the elephant in the room, which is the obvious aircraft spraying uh, above. And again, for, for those that are skeptical, I encourage them to go to uh, Skyder Alert or geoengineeringwatch.org. We actually have films, Jill, of tankers like KC-10s up close and personal in the air spraying, uh, shutting on and off. And on the, the amount of global dimming, which George referred to, this is uh, a study that's uh, not been disputed, and, and global dimming is not disputed. Its la- latest figures are 22%. My background is with solar power. That's what got me onto this issue. I'm a former Bechtel Power employee. And when I moved to the Pacific Northwest, my home is a large off-grid home, cover the world's largest renewable energy magazine. When I started losing 50, 60, 70 percent of my solar uptake on, on certain days by what these aircraft were emitting, I mean, I knew something was, some sort of experimentation was going on, and that's what led me into this issue. And that is the express goal of geoengineering patents, by the way, solar obscuration to slow a runaway greenhouse effect on planet Earth. Since you got involved in this issue, Dane, who are you know some of the the people that you've met and collaborated with? Well, the in the media end, you know, certainly we've had a lot of help from people who've given us a voice. Uh, Jeff Rince with Rince.com uh, has has just helped us with trying to get the word out on this. I mean, he's repeatedly helped us. He's been on this issue for a long time. As far as academia goes. Uh, there's a pretty tight lid on them. I've been contacted with, from scientists from Stanford, Duke, UC Florida, uh, one from Harvard that are speaking more or less uh, behind doors and behind, off the record. Uh, they're, they're afraid to talk about this issue. I've, I've met with NOAA scientists uh, a year ago who said, and I quote directly, they're alar- they know about these programs, they're alarmed as hell, but they don't know what to do about it because they have no First Amendment protection. And the mm-hmm. degree to which these programs are skewing the weather is absolutely astronomical, and things are being overlooked, Jill, like UV radiation. For those that think the sun feels hot in their face, it's not their imagination. We're now taking UV readings in California, Maine, Florida, and New Mexico. UVB, the most lethal band of UV, Mm -hmm. is now at minimum, based on the most conservative math we can use, 1,200% higher than we're being told. And people can investigate this, again, if they they Google... um, and geoengineering is destroying the ozone layer. They'll see a lot of data on that. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of huge, huge and glaring catastrophes unfolding around us related to these programs that are not being reported. George, let's talk about your film, uh, Look Up. It's narrated by William Baldwin. It's uh, really well done. What inspired you to actually go ahead and create the film, and, and what are some of the goals that you have around this social, um, you know, uh, collaborative model of documentary, kind of new, kind of innovative? Yeah, it's it's completely different. I mean, I 
came across the issue totally by accident. I was uh, filming the new Volkswagen Beetle uh, launch campaign, and we're testing a time-lapse rig. So I tested a time-lapse. I got a, rented a camera because we didn't own one of those, set it up at lunchtime outside the house, let it run till evening, and brought the camera in. And when you do time-lapse, you have to process the footage with a computer. But I actually processed it incorrectly, we, so it showed in reverse. And what I saw was the entire sky as white overcast when played in reverse at high speed was being created by these military jets flying in a grid pattern over my house in a residential section in New Jersey. Weird. And how did you know they were military jets? How could you tell? With the, with the time lapse, it's a series of still images, and you can zoom in quite far. So you could see that you know there were a couple things that um, – they, they didn't have windows, they didn't have markings, and when you do just a quick Google search of uh, types of jet aircraft, you could see that they were KC-130s or 110 tanker aircraft. So they're unmarked. I don't know if they're military, but they were unmarked tanker jets. Weird. Well, yeah. n- now uh, tell us about you know the film itself and, and how our listeners can get a hold of it. Okay. The film itself is the first ever documentary that has an action component because I'm a filmmaker and you see great documentaries but they never really tell you what to do they'll tell you about an issue but they'll never offer a solution so after thinking about this um, I came up with the idea that we'll integrate a mobile app into the film so now when someone watches the, the film and they can get the film on skyderalert.com and there's a trailer on the home page if you want to watch 10 minutes of it um, and I think Jeff Rince also just put a trailer up on, on his homepage, too. But you watch the film. It shows you what to look for. And once you, once you watch the movie, you'll, you'll see that you have recognized this taking place in the sky. Then you get the mobile app. You take a picture with your smartphone, and it'll automatically petition the appropriate legislators anywhere in the country, wherever you are. So you can send the photo to your legislators and say, see what I saw right here in your district. Please make this stop. <laughs> Is that kind of the, the idea? Yeah, that's, it comes up with the, with the geolocation of where you are, a pre-populated petition letter that you can alter if you want to say something different. And it also populates the petition on the skyderalert.com homepage, which is cool because if you go to the map, you can see there's a map link at the top. You can see all the submissions coming in from around the world and what people are seeing. Wow, that's pretty powerful. We are going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, much, much more with George Barnes and with Dane Wigington on geoengineering. Folks, don't go away. There's much more Go Green Radio right after this. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea. To Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. 
Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us. If you just happen to be tuning in, uh, we're talking today about geoengineering, which quite frankly, you know, as much as I read about uh, green issues of all kinds, and you know that we bring you a a wide variety of issues on Go Green Radio, um, this only made my radar screen just recently, and I'm so glad to have George Barnes and Dane Wigington on uh, with us. They have websites that uh, you will definitely want to check out. Don't close this tab in your web browser. Keep listening to us on voiceamerica.com but check out their websites uh, George's website is called skyderalert.com that's spelled S-K-Y-D-E-R alert.com and he's got a great documentary that is uh, at, at both t- simultaneously eye-opening and, and a little bit unsettling as well um, and then Dane has got a website called geoengineeringwatch.org tons of great information, research and uh, documentation that uh, shows a long history of geoengineering uh, that's been going on. And so I know you'll want to take a look at those things. You know, Dane, part of what is really bothering me about this solar radiation management component of geoengineering is that, you know, we've covered this on Go Green Radio for ever, um, is that, you know, we're really working hard in this country and in many other countries around the world to make a transition from finite fossil fuel energy to infinite renewable energy. And of course, solar uh, is a big part of what we're trying to institute um, in terms of our renewable energy portfolio, including, you know, wind and geothermal and other types of renewables. But from your own experience, you you know, saw a dramatic decrease in the efficiency of your solar panels. And I'm concerned that we're going to be seeing this worldwide if, in fact, there's geoengineering uh, to 
to basically diminish the solar radiation that hits the Earth. Um, what are your thoughts about what this could do to our our societies and civilizations' quest to move to renewable energy? It's a giant step backward, Jill. And this is why you have solar panels selling so cheaply now, because uh, so many companies ramped up for what was an increasing solar market. And now that countries around the globe have signed on to geoengineering, and they have, they have stopped their subsidies for renewable energy. I've been off the grid for 12 years. I have solar, wind, and hydro, all three of which are horrifically affected negatively by geoengineering. I've spoken in front of the California Energy Commission about the fact that California, they openly announced at, at their commission study, was losing 20 to 40% of its rainfall from, quote, particulates of unknown origin. Now, this is astounding that they would not uh, have any idea this is going on. I personally served up their top scientists, a mountain of geoengineering, hard science. But it seems that there's a lot of money coming in the back door to keep California afloat from the Fed money printing machine. So, you know, this stuff gets ignored. And so it's not just affecting solar horrifically. It's affecting wind and hydro as well. And in, in the uh, ability of geoengineering to disperse rainfall, as we know over California, I mean, our drought is, we're, we're into record territory now, Jill, so it's affecting all forms of renewable energy. And, and this is the, the uh, aspects of this that are overlooked in, in, in addition to the toxicity, in addition to the shredding of the ozone layer. It thwarts the hydrological cycle. I mean, all forms of renewable energy are, are truly um, impacted from these uh, climate programs. Well, you know, George, it's one thing to talk about, you know, putting mirrors in space and this kind of thing to, to deflect some of the sun's rays, you know, because I know that a lot of people have seen the information that's made it into mainstream media about, you know, what could happen on the planet if, uh, if we continue to warm on average as a globe and some of the devastating effects of that. But when you're spraying particulate, particulate matter into the atmosphere, I mean, that just seems like a no-brainer that this would be a public health issue. What are some of the risks to human health of employing a technology like that? Well, Jill, you know, that's the interesting thing. At the end of the day, beyond this being an environmentalist issue, it is a human health issue. It is, it, it is affecting the health of every man, woman, and child, especially kids, especially elders. And I can tell you... Um, as this has been a, a, an unbelievable experience for me in the past year since I've made this discovery, you know, since I've made this realization, and the people that I've come in contact with uh, have just have just been fantastic. And one guy, Dr. Doug Levine, he's a cancer survivor and founder of a Life After Cancer Network, and he's he at first was skeptical, and then with a little bit of research, he has become our, our biggest. Uh, supporter, and he's, he appears in the film, um, and he talks about the impacts of particulate matter into uh, and, and the decrease in vitamin D from blocking the sun as increasing cancer rate, increasing skin uh, skin cancer, and also aluminum. There's a, a study from MIT that he gave me. Aluminum is a key contributing factor to. Alzheimer's, ALS, and autism. Mm -hmm. 
which we've been he, seeing instances of of the per capita rate of these uh, ailments going through the roof. And you know, I mean, I've had I've had parents of autistic children on the show who've talked about you know looking for that environmental link. Um, is it you know? I, I, many people know that. It, at one point, there was a the thought that it was the inoculations that children were getting or, you know, some people say, is it genetically modified food? You know, there's just been so many theories out there. But as of yet, this is the first that I've heard that maybe some of these toxic metals are in the air that we breathe. If, in fact, this is being sprayed into the clouds as a reflective measure. And, you know, George, I'd like for you to I'm hoping that people will get out on your website and look at the pictures um, that you have of what these uh, persistent contrails in the sky look like. You know what it looks like when an airplane flies over and leaves a trail that doesn't go away, that stays persistent from horizon to horizon. And when these persistent contrails start to uh, create a pattern in the sky, it wasn't until I saw your pictures that I realized. Realized I had seen that yeah, <laughs> frequently right. in the sky above me. But describe what the what these look like, so that our our listeners who may be maybe listening on their MP3 players or what have you, uh, what they can visualize until they get a chance to look at your website. Well, Jill, first I have to go back to the aluminum because something else happened with me personally. Doug said uh, he's he has a uh, he's like a, a homeopathic type doctor, uh, and he said. Let's do a hair test. I said, on who? He said, on you. <laughs> so I, I, he's got this, uh, this thing. It's a, he is a nonprofit, too, so it's $55. You do a hair test, and they send you a little mailer packet, and you clip some hair off, stick it in a Ziploc, and send it to doctor's data of the lab. And the results came out three times over the toxic limit in aluminum, magnesium, lead, all these items that are in the patents, in my head, okay? It's me, immediate connection. So obviously that sends me into a slight panic when I see these results because now I'm looking at, you know, like you mentioned, uh, possible vaccinations or uh, environmental effects. Well, there's aluminum in the the vaccines, and these plants are taking up the aluminum from these nanoparticles. But when it's in your head, in your hair, I panicked. So now I said, you know what? Maybe it's me. I'm old. I'm not that old, but I'm pretty old. I'm 46. <laughs> That's not old. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, you know, I'm no spring chicken. So I said, all right, you know, that's fine. I've been around a while. So now I've got two daughters, six and 10. I did their hair. They're toxic in oh. aluminum and mercury and lead. So if, if I might add, if I might add one thing South to Florida, to, if I might add something to credence to what George is saying, if I may, Jill, this is a direct sure. quote from internationally recognized neuroscientist, Russell, Dr. Russell Blaylock, internationally award-winning neuroscientist speaking about the particulates in these aerosol spraying programs. I'm quoting directly. My major concern is that there is evidence that they are spraying tons of nano-sized aluminum compounds. It has been demonstrated that the scientists, Scientific and medical literature that nanosized particulates are infinitely more reactive and induce intense inflammation in a number of tissues. Of special concern is the effect of these nanoparticles on the brain and spinal cord. Now, I, people can look this article up if they look up Dr. Russell Blaylock, uh, Geoengineering. But there is also synergistic toxicity. Jill, you mentioned vaccinations, which we know have mercury in them. Mm-hmm. And we have studies now that show the combination of aluminum 
and mercury can increase overall toxicity as much as 10,000%, the combination of those two metals. So it's not just that each individually are lethal, the combination makes them much more lethal. And we're being exposed to both now between vaccinations and the aerosol spraying. And if anybody wants to do those tests, they can send, send an email to uh, Dr. Doug at skyderalert.com and just say hair test in the subject line, and we will send out the, uh, we'll send out the hair sample kits. You know, it's free. It's, it's, we don't make any money. Uh, Dr. Doug's got a nonprofit. I'm nonprofit. And it, the check goes directly to the lab, and I think it's $55 or $65. But if you have any doubt, test your own hair. And then you tell me how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. You know, human health issues are, are one thing, and, and that's a pretty significant issue. I mean, on the one hand, if, if geoengineering is the stated goal is to protect us from the worst effects of climate change, um, but then, you know, there are these uh, negative impacts to human health as well. That's, that's one whole category that we can talk about in and of itself. But I'm wondering about, you know, the risks to the rest of the ecosystem, to plant life, to wildlife. I mean, there are some uh, studies that I looked up this week that said, hey, you know what, if we do this solar radiation management, uh, some plants are going to really like this because uh, that diffuse sunlight helps increase their photosynthesis and, you know, they, they will flourish under those conditions. Dane, what do your studies show in this regard? Um, I, I can tell you firsthand, and we're studying right now, the massive die-off of northern latitude boreal forests. Obviously, they are not receptive to geoengineering for a whole host of reasons. So this, this sort of uh, literature that's being put out, like you just read, and I've read it as well, is absolutely those attempting to sell geoengineering and overlooking all the horrific effects. So right now we're seeing, and people can Google this. I don't want anybody to believe anything I'm saying. Google uh, die-off of northern latitude boreal forests. Our forests are in absolute free-fall decline here for a number of reasons. Again, the radically intense UV, which uh, people can Google, again, geoengineering destroys ozone layer. Uh, we know these are effects of putting particulates in the atmosphere. It, it absolutely destroys the ozone layer, and we have massive northern hemisphere ozone holes now. So we have that issue, which is frying plants, absolutely frying them. And we don't believe this is related to the CFCs that were, were uh, by, or, uh, excuse me, uh, put out of use uh, 30 years ago, we have the bioavailable aluminum. There are studies on that compound and, and its effects on root systems. It causes organisms to stop nutrient uptake. Now we know from Norwegian and German researchers that they're studying the plant uptake of these particulates, and it's causing horizontal gene mutation in all plant life. We're seeing radical mutations in our forests here, uh, and, and you have the disruption, disruption of the hydrological cycle as well. That's why forests are burning down around the globe. I mean, forest fires are absolutely out of control. So this is the pharmaceutical cure for planet Earth, Jill, that it causes a list of symptoms that are even far worse than the disease. There's no question the planet's warming, but all available data indicates, although geoengineering can create large-scale cooling uh, temporarily, it comes at the cost of a much worsened overall warming and a, and a planet that's been completely toxified. Well, it is kind of interesting the way that we see a, a chemical solution to everything. You feel sad? Here's a chemical. Yes. You want, you know, your food, your food crops to be 
quote unquote naturally resistant to pesticides, here's a chemical. You know, got a little global warming going on, here's a chemical solution. It's just kind of amazing, that just <laughs> had a baseline, the, the arrogance uh, that uh, some display in terms of uh, messing with nature. But hey, we've got to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, there'll be much more. We're going to talk about how uh, Dane and George have discovered, you know, that geoengineering is not just a theory, uh, that there is evidence that it really is happening. We'll talk more about that. And so don't go away. There's much more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Tolvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Tolvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could join us today. I want to give a quick shout out to all my tweeps. Uh, I love it when you guys send me messages, when you direct message me, when you just put it out there in general for everybody to see. Um, some of the discussions that we have around the show are so awesome, and it's all because you guys are participating. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, so simple. My handle is at Jill Buck. So let's get connected and let's have a conversation. Um, you know, Dane, I just want to ask you straight out, and I know that this question is going to be like stuffing a watermelon in a Coke bottle, so take your time with it, but what makes you so sure that geoengineering is not still just in the concept phase, uh, but that it's actually happening? For those who are out there saying, you know what, this sounds like a conspiracy theory. Didn't I see something like this on a Jesse Ventura True TV show? How do you convince people who are on the fence on this that this is really already occurring? For starters, we have numerous up-close and personal films of these tankers spraying at altitude. Two, every single dot connects. 
the express goal of geoengineering patents to block the sun, to obscure the sky. We have hard science figures on 22% global dimming now occurring. We have the exact same materials in these these aircraft falling to the ground and in absolutely lethal quantities. Now, a lot of people will say, well, this is floating over from China. California Air Resources Board has spoken in front of that board as well, has studied all aerosols that migrate from China. Aluminum, the heavy metals, with the exception of mercury that converts to a gaseous state, is not amongst those metals. Now, you also have U.S. military leaders stating on the record, climate change is the greatest threat facing the U.S. national security. Now, when we, everything we see virtually correlates exactly with the, the geoengineering goals. We have films of them doing this. We have the materials showing up on the ground. We have the patents. We have global governance. We have IPCC, the, the world's largest scientific panel ever created in human history, referring to geoengineering and actually stating that if geoengineering were stopped now, if, if, if SAG, solar uh, stratospheric aerosol geoengineering, was stopped, that the, the climate rebound would be horrific. So how can it be in, ex, in experiment uh, stages, experimental stages, and why would they make a statement like that, that if, if uh, the, the SAG is stopped, then there would be this uh, horrific climate rebound. In fact, let me quote you. I'm, Right now, this is from the IPC. If SRM, which is solar radiation management, were terminated for any reason, there is a high confidence that global surface temperatures would rise very rapidly to values consistent with the greenhouse gas forcing. I'm quoting directly. How can that be experimentation when they make a quote like that? I I mean, the the mountain of data to back up the fact that these programs are ongoing and the notion that the U.S. military would not engage in these programs when they recognize that climate change is the greatest threat facing humanity uh, it simply doesn't add up. I mean, we, these programs well, are... Plus, China. I mean, China admits, if, if anyone Googles China geoengineering and the, the Beijing Olympics, they'll see China mm-hmm. admitted to geoengineering for the Olympics. Uh, also, they can Google Chinese scientists create artificial snowstorm. This is how far geoengineering goes, Jill, that they are creating snowstorms with chemical nucleating material that causes an endothermic reaction Chinese openly announced they were doing this. People can Google this. Mainstream media covered it. Until they did a billion dollars worth of damage to Beijing. And this is part of how they're cooling the atmosphere now. Uh, An endothermic reaction uh, can cause, in the case of barium hydroxide and ammonium, can cause temperature drops up to 100 degrees. People might think this is science fiction. I challenge them to look into this. This is going on right now around the globe. You, You can't have temperatures. In fact, Amarillo, Texas, May 1st this year was 100 degrees all-time record on the ground. It snowed the next day on May 2nd. You well, cannot have swings like that this without... Week. Actually, me? that just happened this week. In Dallas, there was a 50-degree um, t- uh, temperature difference. In fact, it was funny. I was watching CNN two days ago, and they were saying, <clears throat> it's not like we've never seen anything like this happen before, but we had to issue an ice storm warning for, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday of this week, on a day when it was 80 degrees. So it was 80 degrees on the day we issued the ice storm warning. The next day, we're going to have a tremendous ice storm in, in the Dallas area. <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, that I don't remember that kind of thing happening it didn't throughout happen. my lifetime. That's, it didn't happen. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's You're pretty right. amazing. Now, here's the thing. I'm a former naval officer, and though I was just a junior military officer, so certainly not at the pay grade high enough to know about any top secret, you know, climate change, you know, covert ops. But um, this much I do know. The military doesn't engage in anything like this unless they are told to. They are not their own boss, at least not in the United States. Uh, So they don't – the Pentagon doesn't just come up with things and and 
do this on their own. This has to come from our elected leaders. And so are you suggesting that our elected leaders, regardless of party affiliation, um, have some sort of policy on this, have authorized this in some way? Um, the, the documentation that I see shows that there's no congressional oversight of this whatsoever. But um, what do you know about the public policy behind geoengineering? Well, there's like over 100 bills that, uh, that we came up with that's before Congress right now on, on climate, climate modification, weather modification. It's, it's on the floor now. What Correct kinds thing? of bills are these? What are they, what are they discussing in the bills? There's all types of uh, different variety between uh, proposals to mitigate against rapid climate change to actual weather modification. I and mean, there's even an association, the Weather Modification Association, that's, uh, that's part of that in the United States. There's a, there's a company called Weather Modification, Inc. Monsanto, last month, bought Climate Corporation for a billion dollars. Right, but Climate Corporation tracks weather data. It doesn't have planes that spray anything, correct? What's important about what George said, though, and you're, you're correct, Jill, everything you said is correct, right down to uh, the military taking instructions, but what we see is all major weather disseminating agencies now can be linked directly to power structures like Monsanto that uh, appear to be capitalizing off these uh, programs because they now produce aluminum-resistant seeds, drought-resistant seeds, and in the case of Weather Channel, Weather Central, Weather Underground, they, that ownership now can be traced to the same entities who own Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, and so forth. So it appears that, obviously, if these programs are going on, you need to control the weather dissemination so that they, they can try to at least explain away some of these incredible anomalies like Dallas going from 80 degrees to an ice storm in one day. And that's exactly what's happening. They're controlling the message. So uh, we can track it back to that. And when and George's film that shows Obama's science advisor, John Holdren, discussing geoengineering and that it might be necessary, now we have methane mass expulsion occurring in the Laptev Sea of the Arctic now. It's not on the horizon. It's occurring now, according to the latest data satellite imagery. So we have a, a global climate catastrophe, according to the AMIG group, Arctic Methane Emergency Group, group of scientists that advise, advises governments around the globe, stating we have a, a global emergency now. The notion that they would not engage in geoengineering as a last-ditch measure to try to uh, retain what ice is left in the Arctic. Uh, I mean, all these dots connect, and, and again, these are things being kept off the radar. The, the, the methane mass expulsion and the, the call for emergency geoengineering, all these things are on the record if, if people simply look. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, is there any indication that there's international collaboration on this? Because, you know, this is obviously a trans-border type of thing. Anytime you deal with, you know, the wind blows and the water flows, and so anything you introduce into those uh, media are going to cross borders. It seems so unlikely. I mean, we can hardly even let the Internet cross borders before, you know, there's international conflict, let alone um, particulate matter. Is there any indication that um, there's a collaboration on the part of international governments to, okay, you spray this and I'll spray that, and hopefully the net effect will be the right thing for the globe? Or is this just sort of willy-nilly government by government? Can I take a stab at that, George? Yeah, go ahead. I, I would just like to say that you can see, if you look at the map page on the Skyder Alert homepage, you can see that it is happening all over the world because our map is now worldwide, and you see the submissions 
coming in. And it's interesting that the patterns that the planes are leaving vary from region to region. Hmm. But there does appear to be absolutely international corroboration. In fact, you have UN documents now on the global governance of geoengineering. And let's go all the way back to 1968. And we have and have posted photos of the Soviet weather modification scientists touring the U.S. at the height of the Cold War, touring the U.S. weather modification facilities. So we, we, sh- we have clear record of collaboration going back that far. Now, you have China and Russia on the other side of the fence, and I'm sure there's a, 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 there appears to be some weather warfare going on, too. And we see examples of this, Jill. We have Pakistan possible examples. It's hard to prove things like this. But when Pakistan started to push back against U.S. policy, they almost immediately found 20% of their country underwater. When Thailand... I know I'm taking a leap here, and I can't, I can't prove this, but I'm saying it's, it's interesting. When Thailand uh, refused the U.S. a base that they felt was for weather modification purposes, they suddenly found their country underwater. And we know we have this weather modification going on, Project Popeye, Project Storm Fury, all major weather modification uh, experiments that were published. In fact, the uh, U.S. was so successful at weather modification over Vietnam that, and this is Project Popeye, uh, they flooded the Ho Chi Minh Trail, that in 1976, the U.N. passed a resolution forbidding weather mod- modification for war- uh, wartime uh, purposes. So, you know, this is not new. There's a long history of these programs, and, and they're on a huge scale. Wow. This is really something. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we'll talk more about this with George Barnes and Dane Wigington. Don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Glad that you could join us. Glad to have our guest, George Barnes, who's made um, a, a really enlightening film that is kind of blowing my mind, I have to say. I'd love for you all to check it out, see what you think. His website is skyderalert.com. That's S-K-Y-D-E-R alert.com. And there you'll see a documentary that he's made, uh, narrated by William Baldwin. And it comes with an app as well. And I just want to make sure that our listeners know what they can do to take action and how they can engage with your film and with your app. George, so give us give us that call to action. Well, one of the things is if you watch the film, it'll introduce you or look at the website, it'll introduce you to uh, what you're visually seeing in the skies. And once you see the film, you'll recognize that you do see these things on, on a, usually a daily basis. And it's that long trail behind a plane. But it's easy to identify. Another thing I'm seeing a lot is the planes now are not really necessarily traveling along the horizon, but they're almost going at a straight-up or straight-down type uh, angle, which is just not something that normal planes fly at. It's not a commuter plane issue. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the idea is behind the app, you download the app. It's Skyder Alert, available for uh, uh, iOS and Android. You can get it at the, at the iTunes Store or at Google Play. And you take a picture of it. In the sky, you take a picture of the lines or the the after effects of the lines, and it will automatically petition your legislators and send you back a confirmation email and also put it on the Skyder Alert homepage and map page. So it's basically increasing awareness just to um, to build the the knowledge and shine the light on geoengineering so other people can can understand what's happening in the skies above their head. Mm-hmm. The main and, thing is just sharing the knowledge and, and talking to people about it. And when you look up and you see that, and you say, this is not natural. Something else, right. if I can add to that, George, too, sure. is that, you know, we, we see a lot of different types of particulate uh, disbursements. It's not just the horizon-to-horizon trails on an otherwise clear day. It, it appears the majority of geoengineering takes place over existing cloud cover or existing layers of uh, the particulate clouds that they have built up. So it's not just that. If you don't see blue sky and white clouds, if you see a big, hazy, fuzzy, cobwebby-looking mix, that's a sky full of aerosols. And again, to consider how much aerosols it takes to block 22% of the sun's incoming rays, that's a lot. So it's not just the horizon-to-horizon trails. And also in George's film, um, Jill, there are uh, two former military pilots, one -hmm. former commercial pilot, stating on the record that what we are seeing in the skies are not... A, a condensation, quote, condensation trail. They're particulate trails. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there are a couple people that have stepped forward. Because they have hang time. And the thing is, you know, again, I'm thinking back. We've had, you know, four-star Marine Corps generals on this show talking about, you know, the military taking climate change very seriously. But here's one of the things that, that kind of bothers me about the idea of the military being involved with this. I mean, right now, all over the world, Military bases are installing distributed generation solar grids to power their bases. If they were simultaneously involved in, uh, you know, deflecting the sun's radiation to power their own bases, that would be beyond moronic. I mean, that would be, uh, you know, shooting themselves in the foot in terms of their mission because they've got to keep those bases um, electrified. So, I add, if I could add two things to that to clarify what sure. you're saying, one. Um, I, I think that the, the U.S. military, based on all data we have, is only a one component of this. We have 
Evergreen Aviation that appears to probably be involved. We have, you know, other private facilities or companies that uh, may be involved in these programs as well. It's not just U.S. military. And also one has to consider the magnitude of the methane expulsion occurring right now in the Arctic and other places around the globe. Methane, you, you always hear about methane being 20 times more potent than CO2 as a greenhouse gas. That's over a 100-year time horizon. Over a 10-year time horizon, methane is as much as 120 times more potent gas than CO2, greenhouse gas. So this is occurring now. We have methane counts in the Arctic right now as high as 2,600 ppb. This is astoundingly high. It's increasing at absolutely breakneck speed. So we're talking about a, a planet-changing event going on right now. So in that regard, uh, the U.S. military certainly, rightfully so, considers climate change to be an immense threat. And geoengineering is simply not the cure. But they've been convinced it's the cure by geoengineers like David Keith and Ken Caldera. So we're trying to get more data out so that our, our good military men and women can understand better that this is not the way out of this corner. Right. Well, and I, you know, I think that it's entirely possible that there could be left hand and right hand kind of, you know, dis yes. discombobulation there and miscommunication. I, I, I can see that. Especially you know, across different nations. Yes. Right, exactly. You know, I, I can't help but wonder, George, you know, this film that you've put out, have you have you received any opposition to it? I mean, is there anybody out there trying to debunk it, you know, who might have a an interest in geoengineering? No, the interesting thing is most of the feedback that we're getting, a lot of positive things are, are, are happening, you know, to, to shine the light on it because we're just we're really uh, just trying to bring it out into the public eye and you know, now Russia's come forward and petition the United Nations to put geoengineering on up for discussions. So I think it's it's just increasing overall awareness. It's not a really a debunking issue. It's you know it's a legitimate science, there's no debunking it. It just it does exist. Um, so I think what's happening is everything that we're getting is is just a, an overall increase on awareness of geoengineering. Dane, let me ask you this, you know, and, and George feel free to chime in as well. You know I know uh, in my other life of being a, a soccer mom and, you know, being a, a minivan mom, um, topics like this can be utterly exhausting for everyday people who are barraged with uh, daily white noise about this is the most important issue to pay attention to and pay attention to this and write your congressman about that. How do you think it's possible to break through the white noise of all of those competing quote-unquote, most important issues, to get people really on board with this to take that's, action. That's if you're worried about your health it, and cancer. An yeah, that's an excellent question. You have, you have so many aspects of this, Jill, any one of which can render the planet incapable of sustaining life, all related to geoengineering. I mentioned the methane. That's a global game-changing event. We have hydrogen sulfide leaking now everywhere, and these appear to be related to, again, the, the atmospheric disruption of the geoengineering, shredding of the ozone layer, which also, by the way, is killing plankton. The increased UV is killing plankton. No plankton, no life on Earth, period. There is no issue, as George correctly stated, that is so all-encompassing with so many dire effects as geoengineering. Short of nuclear catastrophe, geoengineering, if you look at the data, is the greatest and most immediate threat to all life on Earth, period, short of nuclear catastrophe. 
Well, and you know, you mentioned sometimes I feel sorry for our listeners because the conversations we have during the breaks are so awesome. <laughs> and you mentioned uh, the connection between geoengineering and potentially um, the the uh, problems that we're seeing with bee colonies just collapsing. And of course, we've done a show on Go Green Radio to talk about how critical bee pollination is to most of the crops that we that we enjoy on our tables um, and need. We need the bees to pollinate our food in order to continue to be able to feed the world. Um, talk for us for just a second about the connection between geoengineering and, and bee colonization collapse. Well, you have, again, uh, bees disappearing just as fast, a thousand miles into the wilderness. So trying to hang the colony collapse disorder on a chem- particular chemical just doesn't add up. And, and in addition to the bees, can't stress the importance of the plankton enough. Plankton supplies 50 to 60 percent of Earth's oxygen content. No plankton, no life on Earth. We're 50 percent down on plankton right now, and the, the increased UV which can be directly related to geo, directly connected to geoengineering, is is absolutely slaughtering plankton. So, uh, you know, we have the scientific data to back it up. So, from so many different directions, Jill, geoengineering is literally pounding the nails into our our collective coffin, so to speak. So, it it, it really should supersede environmentally all other issues, short of nuclear catastrophe. George, we've got about thirty seconds to go. What are your parting thoughts for our listeners? Parting thoughts is. Educate yourself. Google these words. Google geoengineering, climate modification, weather modification. Go to skyderalert.com. Sign up and get involved in the community and, uh, and make yourself aware and watch the film. Well, the I app. really I appreciate both of you coming on Go Green Radio. This is, uh, this is a huge topic, and, and my, my brain is kind of going, you know, it's kind of exploding right now with all this information. This is um, fascinating, and uh, it's also a bit frightening. But I appreciate you coming on and exposing this to our listeners and helping us to understand all the research and the study that you've done on the topic of geoengineering. Thanks so much for what you're doing. Folks, we're going to be back same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, I hope you have a great week. I hope that you will do something in your life to Go Green, and I hope that you will check out skyderalert.com and geoengineeringwatch.org and get informed on this issue. Take action. Everybody have a great week, and we'll see you next time on Go Green Radio. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.